0: There and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David Brown and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. If you'd like to know more about our church, then please visit Anglicandolby.org.au. Today's sermon is part of a seven part series called Taking Back Sunday Rediscovering the Church through the Book of Acts. And our reading today is read by Arthur Martin, and he's going to be reading Acts chapter 7, verses 55 to 60.
1: This morning, I'm reading from the book of Acts, chapter 7, verses 55 to 60. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. and Saul was there giving approval to his death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Well, happy Mother's Day, everyone. Uh, this Sunday took place on Mother's Day. And in honor of all awesome mums, I'm going to tell you about my awesome mum. For my sister's ninth birthday, she asked for one of those cakes from the Australian Women's Weekly Cake Book. But unfortunately, the cake required green icing. When mum got to the shops, she couldn't find green food dye. So we all went to bed with mum stressing about how to make this cake. The next day, mum produced a bright green cake. We tucked into it and it tasted delicious. Then mum made a mistake. She whispered to another mum that she'd used avocado to make it green. Us kids heard her and suddenly the cake was spat out. Mum went from hero to public enemy number one. That's the life of a mum, always doing their best and often copying our worst. Today in our act series, we're going to meet someone who gave their best and soon became public enemy number one. Last week, Peter preached a sermon and got the best reaction. 3,000 people responded by being baptized and a new, vibrant church community was formed. This week, Stephen gets a different reaction. Sometimes we do our best and we get the worst outcome. Stephen is killed, but as we're going to see today, his worship is so profound and his life of self-sacrifice so loving that it would make anyone proud. Stephen shows us that worship is sacrificial, Worship is everywhere, and worship is a life of love. Stephen's story starts back in Acts chapter 6, where we see that the church had growing pains. In verse 1 we read, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. One of the deacons appointed to care for the people that day was a man named Stephen, who the Bible tells us was full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. He's chosen because he's Greek, as his name suggests, and he knew his community well and could speak their language. While Stephen was called to care for widows, he would free up so he could free up other apostles to lead prayer and preach publicly. We soon see that he can't help but preach the gospel as well. Peter is ready to sacrifice his time and energy to do the humble work of a deacon, waiting on tables and dealing with disputes. We also see that Stephen isn't afraid to sacrifice his reputation and his personal safety to tell others about Jesus. Stephen understands worship. Sadly, in our churches today, we often compartmentalize worship. We make it all about music or about caring for the poor or all about preaching. Some churches think that in order to to do one thing, we can't do the other. Stephen shows us that worship is all of those things. When we're prepared to sacrifice our whole lives to live for God, our worship stops being about what we do and starts being about who we are. Mums are a great example of this. They know that being a mum means sacrificing your time, sleep and dignity. Zoe, my wife, has sacrificed promotions in her career to care for us. She works hard during the day and then comes home to cook dinner, do the laundry and care for our boys. She hasn't had two good nights of sleep in a row in the last four years because she's constantly getting up to change our boys. She does this with incredible grace because for her, it's all part of being a mum. As Christians, we need to make sacrifices too. Stephen takes on a lowly position in the church to serve because he realises that worship isn't about lifting yourself up. Instead, it's about lifting others up and lifting high the name of Jesus. Stephen puts his life on the line in public prayer and preaching because he can't help but elevate his king. Stephen Cherry, dean of King's College Chapel in Cambridge, talks about Christian sacrifice like this. He says, the Christian way is a path towards peace, but it is one that knowingly goes through the territory where injustice is challenged and untruthfulness is exposed. To put it more poetically, it involves visiting what Edward Muir called the fields of charity and sin. This means that the Christian path inevitably involves a profound seriousness about both spirituality and truth, and also about relationships and justice. It also means that self-sacrifice and even martyrdom make sense within a Christian frame of reference. And it makes very specific sense. Christian martyrdom is not a fast track to paradise or an escape to nirvana. It is a gift of the self to God's redeeming, healing, and transforming mission. It is never sought, but it is always possible where love, compassion, and truth encounter merciless evil. Stephen's act of worship lands him in hot water. In Acts chapter 6 verse 8 we read, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the freedmen, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. They stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stops talking against the holy place and against our law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. Stephen is accused of denigrating the temple and disrespecting the law because of his allegiance to Jesus. Scholars have criticized his long response, which takes up most of chapter 7, saying that it doesn't make a lot of sense. But John Stott notes his point is actually really profound. Beginning with Abraham, Stephen points back to instances in the Old Testament where people meet with God outside the temple. He also demonstrates from the Bible that pe- that before God gave his law, people were faithful to God's promises. Jesus is the reality to which the temple pointed. It's where people the temple was where people went to meet with God and now we meet with God through Jesus. Jesus fulfills the law. He lived a perfect life according to the law, and where we stumble and sin and break the law, Jesus fulfills it on our behalf. Stephen's big point is that worship isn't just about sticking to the rules, and worship doesn't just happen in a temple. Instead, worship is about a relationship with the living God. Worship is everywhere. As Stephen speaks, his face shines, just like Moses' face shone when he came down from Mount Sinai. Far from a rambling defense, Stephen demonstrates from the Bible that it's his accusers who don't take God seriously enough and that the violent mob they are forming is a violation of their own laws. In many ways, again, Stephen's speech changes the narrow view of the worship that we have today. We talk about places of worship as if worship can only happen in particular buildings at particular times. Worship is about who we are not something we do. When we devote our whole lives to God, study, cleaning, making dinner, taking the bins out or calling our mums all become an act of worship to God. In the 1600s there lived a monk called Brother Lawrence. After he became a monk, he discovered a priceless secret of the Christian life, how to practice the presence of God, worshiping God in all things. He once wrote all we have to do is to recognize God as being intimately within us. Brother Lawrence's role in the monastery was as a cook in the humble kitchen there. But people would come from all around just to watch him wash, wash pots and pans because for him, it was such an intimate act of worship. He was witnessing to those around him simply by washing pots and pans. Through his daily chores, he learned about prayer And worship and a holistic way of life. He believed it was a serious mistake to think our prayer time as being different from any other. Our actions should unite us with God when we are involved in our daily activities, just as our prayers unite us with Him in our quiet devotions. He also wrote, It isn't necessary that we stay in church in order to remain in God's presence. We can make our hearts personal chapels where we can enter any time to talk privately to God. One of the blessings about the COVID-19 epidemic is that people have had to discover ways to worship God outside of church buildings and outside of church times. People have been doing videos, people have been doing devotionals, people have just been sitting at their homes worshipping God freely. A lot of parishioners at St. John's have dusted off their old prayer books and started offices, the daily prayer again, because they want to worship and they want to be with God in this time. Stephen shows us that just as God's love knows no boundaries, so our worship should know no boundaries. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could discover what it means to worship as we take out the bins, as we floss our teeth, as we make dinner? When we commit to devoting our whole lives to worship of the one true God, we find ourselves worshipping everywhere and all the time. Our whole lives should be poured out as living sacrifices of worship to God. Worship is a life of love. Stephen exemplifies this in life, but also in his death. Look at Acts 7.54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. As Stephen brings glory to God in his defense, he gets a vision of heaven. Now, normally in the New Testament, Jesus is described as sitting at the right hand of God. Stephen sees Jesus standing here, standing to commend him to his dad, standing to applaud his witness, standing to welcome Stephen home. Here we see the Trinity in full glory. As Stephen is filled with the Holy Spirit, he sees a vision of the Son commending him to the Father. Stephen's worship makes his accusers even angrier and they rush at him and drag him out of the city. The Greek says that they were literally sawn to their hearts and they throw rocks the size of grapefruits at him. Verse 59 says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Notice the similarities between Jesus and Stephen. Both are accused of disrespecting the temple. Both are dragged out of the city. Both have three dying remarks, praying for their persecutors. But Stephen falls asleep. Where Jesus endures pain and agony, for Stephen there is peace and a vision of heaven. Jesus went through hell for Stephen. Now Stephen entrusts his spirit to the one he worships. It seems like Stephen's death is a terrible waste. Here is a carer and an evangelist being snuffed out. But in God, his life and death are not wasted. Stephen is called a martyr, which is Greek for witness, because his death points to God. His death actually accomplishes more for the gospel than his life, and that's saying something. Notice that a man named Saul was there that day. Saul would go on to become a great evangelist himself, and Stephen is the one to first tell him about Jesus. Stephen's death also kicks off a wave of persecution across Jerusalem. But as Christians flee, they take their faith to the other towns, and the gospel begins to spread. Far from a violent failure, Stephen's life of worship, a life laid down for Jesus, catapults the gospel. This is why God calls us to be martyrs who live our whole lives in love for Jesus. Living in Australia, this sort of worship won't cost us our lives, but it may cost us our wealth, our time, and perhaps our social standing. Stephen shows us there is nothing more valuable than a living life life of love, a life of worship to the one true God. If you're a mum and you feel like you're not getting through to your kids, take heart. Your example of devotion brings glory to God. If you're a follower of Jesus and you feel like every effort you make to draw closer to God has no meaning, take heart. God sees you and so do others. And God may use your example to speak into their lives. If you feel like you've wasted your talents, your time, and your energy in your life, then fear not. God can redeem your every moment in a moment and turn Things around completely. Taking back Sunday is about redeeming worship and rediscovering what it's all about. The day my mom copped all the abuse for her green icing, she didn't complain, and she didn't fight back. Instead, she kept loving us and pointing us back to Jesus. The life of love and worship my mom lives constantly constantly points me back to Jesus and shows me that true worship is steeped in self-sacrifice. As we wrap up today, I want to ask you a question. Is the season you're going through at the moment bringing you closer to God or further away? Sometimes we think that we can only draw closer to God when things are going our way, when we feel good, when we feel close to God but Stephen shows us that it's often the hard times that bring us closer to God. When all our idols are destroyed and Jesus is all we have, then we begin to worship him with all we are. So I encourage you to ask yourself whether you're drawing closer to God in worship today. And if the answer is no, what can you do about it? True worship is sacrificial. True worship is everywhere. It's a lifestyle rather than an activity or a period of time. Finally, true worship is a life of love poured out for God in a way that blesses others and points them back to him. On this day, when we celebrate mums and their sacrificial love, let's worship the one who gave his life for us. May we live lives of worship as we experience the glory of the Lord. Amen.